0: Turn up, up your volume, because you're about to listen to the Sick, Podcast. the Sick Podcast, with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston four, Montreal 3, Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into air back to LeFleur, oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You know, I, 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 <laughs> you're in the fun. Oh! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins. On lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est un bon. Et ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. Allé pour les Canadiens. Le 23 troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together they work the young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous Forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. La B. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick
1: happy monday night everyone i am your host of the sick podcast this evening my name is matt O'Han. uh if you were expecting tony marinero well he's still out gallivanting in portugal so uh i'm taking the reins for the next two nights i will be back friday he should be back wednesday but it remains to be seen he extended his trip he might do a couple episodes down from portugal We'll see. Either way, Uh, I'm here with you now, and that's what counts. Uh, The SICK Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, who have recently been named by Deloitte and CIBC as Canada's uh, best managed company. One of Canada's best managed companies. The country's leading business award recognizing innovative and world-class companies. The best managed Canadian companies designation fuels Energy's purpose of creating progress for our customers, our employees and our communities. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Experience the world-renowned poker experience with free food and drinks at their cash games tables and a bad beat jackpot that is already over 700 hundred thousand dollars after the world record set amount of two million five hundred and ninety uh ninety thousand dollars was won on august 2nd weekly promotions uh daily tournaments and unmatched customer service why play anywhere else located just over the mercy bridge only minutes away from downtown montreal playground and also brought to you by la bita tb beer brewed in quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards la at tb offers quality international microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste la at tb embrace your true nature. And Murphy Clinic who are an aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care. They offer permanent hair uh, laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne, rosacea, fine lines and more. They currently have two clinics, one located in Montreal's Shop Angus and their second on the North Shore in Terrebonne. They're also opening very soon in Quebec City. Visit MurphyClinic.ca or on Instagram at Murphy Clinic. All right. So uh, today was the big day. A Habs golf tournament uh, means the was today. It means the unofficial kickoff of the hockey season here in Montreal. Who better to talk about this than from one Hebrew hammer to another, Mr. Eric Engels of Sportsnet. Eric, how are you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm good. Can you hear me?
1: All right. Yeah, we could hear you fine. We could oh, yeah. hear you fine. So thanks for joining us. Uh, well, first of all, I'm glad that the weather stayed good for you guys. You didn't have to uh, you know be out there in 45 degree weather. It was a nice 20 degrees. So uh, tell me what was the first, let's just talk vibes vibes for a second. What were the vibes like amongst the players the the Canadians brass over at the tournament?
2: I mean, this is the 16th time I've done the Canadians golf tournament. I should, actually should say 15 because last year was a wedding I was at a wedding in Sonoma. Uh, which was a lot more mm. pleasurable than actually being at the Canadian golf tournament, <laughs> uh, probably for me, but also for them too. You know, they'd have to answer all my questions, but um, yeah, you know, like they're always the same. Everybody's upbeat, excited. Um, there might've been one year where it was a little bit different. I mean, thinking back to that year where Mark Bergemay signed Carl Osner and lost Radulov and Markov and mm. everybody was kind of wondering, you know, what happened. Um that was a strange year but yeah i mean optimism tends to reign at the beginning of the year i think it's cautious optimism this time around uh, with the canadians uh, you know just a little bit past the infancy stage of their rebuild here and you know expectations are being managed um but yeah i mean it was it was a nice day like you said and i, I think you know everybody's pretty excited to be in town and jeff gordon and jeff molson and kent hughes all made mention the fact that Upwards of 40 players were in and around the practice facility over the last couple of weeks. And I think that speaks to um, not only the excitement for the season coming up, but also there's so many young people in the organization all coming up together. And um, I think that that creates that kind of groundswell of enthusiasm.
1: Yeah, you know that's been a uh, that's been something that has been carrying the Canadians through this rebuild is because you know they've been you know the product on the ice while they're not winning games it's it's super fun to watch you know the, it's kind of worth the price of admission a l- little bit uh, going in last season this season I feel like you know with uh, again I'm gonna take you back I'm gonna take our fans back to the uh, to the NHL draft the Rhinebacker pick felt like. Uh, you know, that honeymoon phase kind of ended that night with uh, who was who the Canadians elected. A lot of people were disappointed. And now, I don't know, I, it felt a little weird to see Habs fans on Twitter texting me uh, just online. Just, you know, it was kind of split down the middle. But I think they did a good job of managing those expectations today. Uh, you know, by, you know, the, coining the term the P word, not willing to say the P word. And uh, I, I liked how upfront uh, the management was about uh, the expectations on the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, upfront or just real—like, just be real. I, I don't think anybody needs them to come out and say, "Yeah, we're all in and we're going to make it." And this and that. I mean, no, no bold proclamations need to be made that essentially would be characterized as delusional versus realistic. Um, would they love to make them, despite what some people might think? Um, because they probably think that they'd like another elite talent towards the top of the draft to continue building out what they're doing. I think they would be enthralled to make the playoffs this year. Um, You know, put that aside, put management, ownership, whoever aside that has to carry that message and manage those expectations and just live in that kind of real world. You really hope the players are showing up feeling like they have a legit chance of doing that this year. Do they actually? I mean, for people like me or you or, you know, the ardent passionate fan who might look at them and say, well, you know, there's uh, Tampa Bay and Toronto and Boston and Florida. And then, you know, not to speak much of Buffalo and Ottawa who are on the rise and Detroit, which has gotten significantly better. Uh, You know, you figure the Canadians should be last place in their division. But you hope that the players come in and say, screw all that. Like we are going to prove everybody wrong and we took big strides last year and we established an identity and we're going to play to that identity and we're going to be a handful for some of these teams and we might upset the apple cart with a really good start to the season. And to me, that's fundamental to the growth that management and ownership and the players themselves want to experience and see. Uh, You know, you could talk, and they did at length today, about growth, 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 growth. At a certain point, it has to come from a winning environment. And I think Martin St. Louis did a tremendous job last year of creating a winning environment uh, to the point where they were able to establish 31 wins with the most injury-laden roster in the NHL. Um, But just in terms of the culture that he established within the team and and the way they should be competing in order to build those habits that would inevitably turn them into a winning team when the time is right and they have Appropriate talent level and depth level to compete with some of the teams we just mentioned. But you also need more of the results to fall in your favor to really grow, to really take that next step. And, you know, hearing Marty St. Louis talk a little bit today, he mentioned the word responsibility, accountability. Um, and I think what he means is like, you're not, those players are not going to be in a situation this year where mistakes have zero consequences where mm-hmm. uh, you know, development over at all costs over wins um, it's still going to be at the foundation of what they're trying to do this year and continue to develop and grow. But I think the paradigm has to shift a little bit towards, we got to try to win so that growth can really happen in an exponential way instead of just incremental.
1: Yeah. I I, I totally agree with you because you know, th- that that's one thing that I've always said, you know, it's easy to coach a team and to talk to a player like, Hey, you made this mistake. It cost us a goal, but like just watch it on the video screen. Don't do that again. You're not missing a shift. Just go back out there. It's another thing when the games actually start to have real meaning or you want them to start to have real meaning, like you mentioned when, when it comes to building a winning culture. So that's the part that I'm interested to see this season is how those, Mistakes get addressed um, in terms of will that will those players be missing a shift? Will they miss a game if it, if it's a continuous problem? I I don't know that I don't know what their plans are. But those are things to me that I always said uh, when maybe I was getting a little bit ahead of myself when coming with uh, my expectations and wanting to see you know Marty St. Louis coach a team that is pushing for the playoffs what are what's it, what's that going to look like cuz right now it feels like i don't want to say he has an easy job because he doesn't have an easy job but it's a lot there's a lot less pressure on his shoulders to get his guys to be performing but he's doing a great job of doing it right now so when the results matter what is what are his tactics going to look like
2: yeah and i think we're coming into a season where even with the expectation being set below the playoff bar the results do matter last year to start the season unequivocally there wasn't a single result that trump development like there wasn't a single result going into the games that felt like it mattered i mean i i wrote 82 stories about development (laughs) because that's what the season was about it was stated clear and outright it's still about that it's still about growth you know i asked jeff gordon today and I didn't expect a, like a real kind of tangible answer. What, what would qualify as success this season? And he, again, apologized for using the cliches, just <laughs> to get better every day and grow and this and that. I, I think if he were to answer that question, if Kent Hughes were asking him or they were having a personal discussion about what they want to see from their team this year, I think they want to be competitive for as long as possible. I think they want to be in the picture and in and around that playoff picture for as long as possible, as evidence of the growth that they experienced last season, and as evidence that they can build on that growth and continue to build towards what's going to be a sustainable, successful team in Montreal. And you know, I, you know, I'm still a few weeks out from having to put out my preseason predictions of you know where I see the Canadians and and everybody else in the league for that matter. But I could tell you right now, you know, success, I think, for this team would be playing meaningful games all the way up to pretty close to the deadline, pretty close to the trade deadline, continuing to be in meaningful games, whether it means that they're six points out of the playoff picture come deadline or they're four points out or they're two points ahead of the last team or whatever it is. You know, like the last team that made the playoffs last year had 42 wins. The Canadians had 31 last year with a team that was expected to be among the worst teams in the league and a team that suffered more man-games lost than any other one in the league. So is it unreasonable to expect that they could be much closer to the playoff picture than further away from it? Potentially, when you look at them compared to what all those teams we mentioned in their division, which I think is the toughest division in hockey this year, But in another light, like all these young guys came and were thrust into bigger opportunities and roles last year because of the injury situation and benefited from it. They they gained a more qualitative type of experience than they otherwise would have, and that could carry those guys forward. And you have some veteran players who, like Mike Matheson, had a career year and felt a level of confidence that he had never quite experienced at this level that he could build on Uh, if he remains healthy, that guys like Brendan Gallagher and Josh Anderson are coming in with something to prove and a lot more players to compete with in terms of ice time and opportunity. And and Samuel Montembeau is coming off um, not only a season in which he proved he belongs in the NHL, but an experience at the World Championship that was so valuable because there was pressure on him to win, and he actually not only did he win, but he served as Canada's best player in the tournament. How far can he take that? And where does this all propel the Canadians this season? Now, again, I'm not going to put them in the playoff picture. There's a spoiler alert for what my predictions will say <laughs> at Sportsnet. Do I expect that they will be competitive all the way up to what could be March 8th as a trade deadline this year? Um I really think that they have a good chance of doing that based on what they have and who they are and the fact that they've all kind of grown together and that there's not much that's changed other than a couple of pieces coming in that add to the depth and some young players that can bring some enthusiasm that potentially could crack this lineup or at least play some NHL games at some point down the line.
1: Well, you know, I, I, you're I kind of, I really agree with you, uh, which makes for a great podcast that will not be argumentative. No, Um, you you could disagree. (laughs) No, but I I do, I do agree because you know if you think about it, last year up until you know the Christmas, uh, the Christmas road trip, they were pretty much five hundred, if I remember correctly, and then I remember talking to Stu uh, Cowan on my Friday night show saying, "When are the wheels going to fall off? When's it going to happen?" We're all expecting they fell off
2: hard. They and then don't. they
1: fell off hard because because they because they, ha, they ended up losing, you know, 4000 games to uh, to injury, 4000 man games to injuries, right? So that's the part to me where I'm like, hmm, they probably could be competitive all the way till the deadline. To me, it's a lot at that point like, okay, they're competitive until the deadline. Let's say they're 6 points out. Where does Kent, you, that's what makes Kent his job difficult because you don't want to pull the rug from under them if they are competitive, right? I don't know if it's, uh, uh, I don't know if it's me or if it's Eric having the, uh, the connection issues here, but we're going to get that sorted out. Um, so I'm just going to keep on going right now. Uh, not knowing if it was Eric. Uh, okay, yeah, I think it was Eric. So that to me is the is the big key. If we uh, if we run with Eric's scenario of four or five uh, points out of the playoffs come playoff time, is that what does Kent Hughes do uh, do then? You gotta kind of throw your team a bone at that point because you know they're playing super well. We have Eric back. I, I see. So uh, that's good news. Uh, Eric, where did I lose you?
2: Um something I think what you had said is that, you know, if for whatever reason they, they do achieve that goal of being competitive up until the deadline and are in and around the playoff picture, that you wouldn't want to see ken Hughes pull the rug out from underneath them. Um at yeah, the end of the right. day if
1: that's where his job becomes difficult.
2: At the end of the day, what's it maybe it becomes difficult, but he's committed to doing it the right way. He's committed to doing it the right way. And if if a deal comes along for a player on his roster that ultimately deals get made because a player is more valuable on the market than he is to the roster.
1: Hmm.
2: So say there's six points out and coming into the trade deadline or the week of the trade deadline and they notch a win and all of a sudden they're four points out and they're, you know, they've got games in hand on some of the teams and the team is calling on David Savard, well, the offer is going to have to be pretty good, right? Like the offer is going to have to be pretty good. He's, you know, Kent Hughes is not in a position where he's, it's necessary for him to trade David Savard, who still has one year left on his contract beyond this one. It's not like it'll be the last opportunity. So could the market bear something that would be more valuable than the the value that that player would bring to the team? I'm using David Savard as an example. I don't want to the blow up into some sort of trade <laughs> that I read on some stupid site, but I'm just, you know, I'm making the point like he will do what's in the best interest of the Canadians long-term and the plan that they've built to be successful over a long period of time and contending year over year.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, agreed there. It's just, it's tough, you know, because uh, I, I feel like I forget if it was last year, even where, Kind of the team was playing super well uh, up until the deadline, you know, passing uh, expectations. And then it kind of feels like if you want to keep that winning culture alive and well and and keep building on that, you got to sort of throw your team a bone. Right. I I feel like that was done in the past few years. It's a question of where you are. Like, it's
2: a question of where you are. And also, Matt, like. The Canadians' management, as, as you saw today and as you've seen since they've taken over, have been extremely transparent about their patience level and their desire in terms of what they're trying to build, not just externally, though. They are absolutely transparent internally. Uh, everybody knows what the plan is, and everybody has kept abreast of the situation as they go along. As you hear players that have gotten traded um, have been kept in the know in terms of where they stand on a market and what their situation is all the way along up until the point where the trigger gets pulled. Um, at the end of the day, these guys are pros. They, they have to deal with the reality that they face on a daily basis and, and in those situations. And they, they know how to handle it. And running the organization in such a way helps them digest it. Um, do I think that if for whatever reason, the Canadians are right there, that Kent Hughes is all of a sudden just gonna start picking players off the roster left, right and center? Not really. like there's no there's no urgency, like I said, in most of the cases. So it all becomes a question of value. You know, how much more valuable is that player to the team than he is on the market? And, and if the answer is reversed, that's when you could see a situation where a player gets traded even in spite of where the team stands. And that's okay because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the expectations have been properly set like they were today during the golf tournament. And um, they have been properly set all the way through in terms of the plan and not just externally, like I said, internally as well. And, and they want these guys pushing as hard as possible. And it's, I think it's, it's funny, even last year where we knew that kind of results were inconsequential um, I think people from the outside looking in would have assumed like Kent Hughes was, was celebrating losses like, like touchdown celebrations. And I remember mm. seeing him around Christmas time and he was just, he was really upset to see what was happening. And and I remember him using a line uh, that, you know, the type of losing that they were doing game over game uh, in a kind of a discouraging moment wasn't good for anybody's development. So mm. it, it, it's funny what what perception is versus reality sometimes and it'll be interesting to follow along this season because they're not just looking to do what they did last year you heard kent say himself we're not coming in here with it that we're we're missing the playoffs as a given like we're we're aiming higher and i i'm curious as anyone to see what that produces on a daily basis in montreal because when you have a team with a bunch of young players in that kind of nucleus core of 22 to 25 years old um, there's a lot of belief internally that despite what we know about them versus their competition so i can't, I can't wait to see it all unfold it's coming up pretty soon
1: yeah and uh, you know I, fe- I feel like that uh that changed a lot uh from last year because now people are aware of that of that it factor of the internally uh kind of you know we're gonna still compete till the till the bitter end because I feel like last year nobody was expecting them to have like a single win or that's a bit of an exaggeration to have like three wins by uh the end of October and lo and behold they started off the season pretty well and were five hundred basically all the way through November. So I, I, I really I'm really excited to see this team because you know, last season, it, it felt like it flew by because of just the way that they were talking about each other. The players were and, you know, just the compete level in the organization and that they did fight till the bitter end. And I feel like there's going to be more, uh, way more of that this year because it just feels like to me there's never a guy or it's very rare that there is a guy uh, on the team that you said, he didn't play like he really didn't give it 100% that night. You know, I feel like all those pieces are gone. And there's just there's no doubt or there's no doubt on the compete on anyone's t- on of anyone's compete level on this roster.
0: Well, I think that the
2: where you might see a bit of where you where that might become sustainable this year from the, like year to year is is that mm-hmm. the depth within the system is a little stronger. It's a little stronger kind of all over the roster. There are some young players that legitimately can make a push to play games with this team this year, whether they start with the Canadians or not. Um, And there are players, I mean, that whole defensive situation and all those young guys are really fighting to be in the lineup every night. Like they, they have eight, nine guys who can play. And have proven they can play in the league uh what's happening in net with four goaltenders there and we'll see how that gets sorted out because we know there won't be four by the time this this whole thing starts up that whether or not one of them or two of them get lost to waivers or traded or whatever it is you know that's a competition right away right off the bat at at a camp and up front you know new hook comes in um they took a flyer on leah sanderson they got Emil Heineman, who had a really great camp and, you know, had some injury issues coming in. Ty Smolannik, eligible to come, come out of college and participate now. And uh, Owen Beck, who signed to a professional deal, who, you know, who knows where he'll end up this year. But I'm based on what he looked like at last year's camp, like this guy's a professional hockey player. He, he is pro habits. Um, And that is why he stood out last year, and it will be really compelling to see what he does. You have Joshua Hua, um, and I'm probably leaving out a couple of guys, not to mention, you know, Jesse Alonen, who's going to be fighting for a full-time position. I think Harvey Pinard has established himself in one, but that doesn't mean that he could take the foot off the gas in any type of way. And, you know, we could talk about what that means between all those players that I mentioned, but it also means something for Brendan Gallagher and Josh Anderson and Sean Monaghan and Christian Dvorak and Yoel Armia. Like, those guys, they're going to have to perform if they're going to be thrust in the types of roles they're expected to fill with the Canadians this year. So does that make them a better team than most people would expect? If they remain healthy, I think it should. And, and that's why... It's all well and good to talk about, okay, we want to see growth. But the players themselves and the coaching staff and even management internally should be saying to themselves, we should be trying to win and we should be disappointed when we don't. And uh, that is going to stimulate the type of growth you really want to see. That was kind of the argument that I made in my column today. And it was good to hear Cole Caulfield say we want to win every game. When I was talking to him informally, it was good to hear Josh Anderson kind of echo that sentiment about being in the win column. Um, and these guys, you can call them foolish or delusional or whatever it is. They believe they can do it. And uh, it will mm-hmm. I, I think we've seen teams surprised in the past. I'm not suggesting the Canadians are going to. Again, I said that they're probably going to miss the playoffs, and I will predict that they will. Um, could I end up being wrong on that? It's possible.
1: Yeah. Uh, it it is possible. And one of those teams that surprised, uh, last year, look no further than the Seattle Kraken. You know, they, they weren't, they weren't looking too hot after their inaugural season. And then they thrust themselves into the playoffs last year. So anything could happen. The NHL is wild in terms of that, you know, it's way more uh, volatile than the NFL, especially with 82 games. Um, so uh, let's let's shift gears just a little bit before I let you go. Uh, and we appreciate you joining us on this Monday night um, is the, the other piece of big news when it came to individual player, which was Mike Matheson getting the A. Uh, I really like that move. You know, I, I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, with uh, with a beat writer off of uh, Eyes on the Prize, I said it's really important for there to be. I mean, he's not French Canadian, but he is a he is a Gudchenu. He is born in Kirkland, uh, so I think it's important to see homegrown players on this roster having big roles, uh, being impactful players on the team. And we have one now in Mike Matheson. Uh, a little bit of a symbolic move, but I think it means a lot. I don't.
2: Yeah, I I don't think it's got anything to do with the fact that he's from here or this or that. I think it has a lot to do with the pride that he displayed in being from here and the way he played. Um, He was elite last year. Yeah. Uh, He was a legitimate number one defenseman when he was healthy and played. Um, He was put in that role by default. The fact that he took it and ran with it and kind of fulfilled a promise that he showed to be drafted as high as he was going all the way back to Florida and it took him this long to get there uh, is a great example. And there's a couple of them on this team you want to look at Montembo or whatever it is of how long it actually takes to develop and become the type of player and what kind of opportunity it requires uh, to be given in order to get to your best self. And I think, you know, Mike is very deserving of the honor that was bestowed upon him to become an an alternate captain for this team Uh, because he's very even keel. he's very level-headed he is a leader on a blue line i think part of the reason he fits well with the kind of paradigm that the canadians have created is because at 29 years old he's not that far off from the core age group of the team and yet he's still a bridge from the veteran leaders to that core um and you know from a performance level you want a guy who leads by example like Suzuki does Matheson is certainly doing that on a blue line chock full of young players so you know good for him the fact that he believes and some of the comments he made to me last year and talking to him he was easily one of my favorite people to talk to in that room just because of the profoundness of his thoughts um he believes he can be better He believes that he can be better than he displayed last year, that he can build on what he did. And uh, I wouldn't put that past him knowing what his skill set is. He is an absolutely elite skater. He is a point producer who thrust in the opportunity to to run a power play, thrived, uh, and he is much better defensively um, than we saw over his first seven or so years in the NHL and and he does it with his skating he does it with his skating his ability to create separation speed his ability and and one of the things that i think he improved the most last year was just moving the puck quicker making simpler smarter faster decisions um and relying on his skating instead of kind of standing still and waiting to make a play um Mm -hmm. and if he taps into those assets that he has I would not bet against that guy getting better. And and I think he's just he's he's a he's a good candidate on a team that had several good candidates to be an alternate captain. I mean, nobody would have blinked if David Savard was named one of those guys. Nobody mm-hmm. would have blinked if it was Cole Caulfield, to be honest with you. Even, you know, with Caulfield's kind of demeanor. He's he's a full of energy type of player. You know, I I mean his demeanor is like he's still kind of a he's still very much a kid at twenty-three years old and has a kid like demeanor but the enthusiasm that cole brings to the rink and his attitude of you know give me the ball give me the puck like i'm gonna run with it and i i want to be in that situation where i'm the guy scoring the goal with five seconds left on the clock and we need it you know like that's Mm -hmm. leadership like and i i don't think he would shy away from that so again a lot of valid candidates it helps that mike is a guy that's from here. I think that's a nice storyline, but I don't think it has much to do with the fact that he absolutely earned the letter getting sewn onto his jersey and with with really strong play and with an attitude of just, I'm going to continue to get better. And that's kind of what this whole team is about, right? Like getting back to the growth Mm -hmm. thing.
1: You know, I, I loved a lot from, I mean, it was hard to not like a lot from Matheson last year, but my favorite part of his game and and you mentioned it because of his skating. Uh, is uh, there were a couple games where I was in the stands, and you know there was maybe uh, the defenseman took a risk and he pinched in, and it sent an odd man break the other way. His closing speed, I, I felt like we saw that once every three games let's say where he's coming back skating as hard as he can and he's catching up to the forward on the two-on-one and knocking the puck off his stick like I, that to me was just unbelievable because i can't remember uh you know other than pk suban the last time the canadians had a defenseman with that type of skating skills
2: yeah i'll tell you one of the things and that's a very good point i think one of the things i appreciate most about mike matheson is his ability to self-assess and uh, coaches talk a lot about that and how vital it is in terms of the growth process if you are gonna be able to grow and become a better player in person you have to be brutally honest with yourself about your performance and where you need to improve and what you need to work on but also brutally honest with yourself in terms of what you're doing well and how to tap further into that and the thing i like about mike is you know there were games where he was unquestionably the best player on the ice and, and potentially for both teams and we'd come in and talk to him and he'd still say, there's a few things that, you know, I, that wasn't a perfect game. There was a few things that I did that I didn't like that I need to address. When you have that type of attitude that can propel you a lot further and you could take that outside of hockey. You could take it to golf. You could take it to life in general or working at any job that any of us uh, or anybody listening does, right? Like you, have constantly got to assess yourself and be honest about where you can improve even on your best days. You know, I could be happy with an article I write, but still find fault with it. Pretty much every time I put pen to paper, I'll never be the best writer. I'll never be Michael Farber. Um, But seriously, like it's, to see that from a guy like Mike Matheson who was enjoying a career year last year when he was at least healthy, um is is to know that when he says I feel like can I can be even better is is a feeling that like he could act he actually can deliver on that, and um, I don't know if he takes a step back this year. I don't know if he takes two forward. we're gonna have to wait and see, but I just think that attitude should propel him further along,
1: yeah. Uh, and listen, you said it. We're coming; it's coming up fast. We're about two weeks away, from uh, two weeks and change from the first preseason game. So, very, 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 very exciting stuff coming up. Uh, Eric, I want to thank you for joining me on this Monday night, and uh, Shana Tova.
2: Pleasure. You too.
1: That was Eric Engels. Shana Tova means Happy New Year in Hebrew because it is the Jewish New Year on Friday. Thank you very much for watching, everyone, and for listening. I'll be back tomorrow night. Until then
0: and that's a wrap hope you don't miss us too much until next time follow the sick podcast with tony marinero on youtube instagram facebook google play and apple podcasts the sick podcast is brought to you by energy transportation group driven to be different la Vida tv embrace your true nature and playground your premier gaming destination